0: Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of New Philadelphia Nazarene. Well, here we are, guys. It is week three of Advent. We have uh, talked about hope. We have talked about peace. This week, we are talking about joy. This week's message... uh, very creative made up a word for this one and it is joy fuller don't try to use that in a sentence it will not work but for what we're talking about today it makes sense that we as children of god are called to be joyful joy fuller than the rest of the world our scripture today comes to us from the great book of isaiah chapter 61 and uh We're gonna look at what it looks like for us to be a part of God's rebuilding effort, God's restoration effort here in this world. So grab your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 61, and join us as we talk about what it looks like to be joy fuller in this season of Advent. This week we, we light our third candle of Advent. The uh, candle of joy. Much, much of the time, this, in seasons like the one that we're in right now, joy is usually explained in some sort of uh, a holly jolly Christmas kind of way. <laughs> we have songs with jingle bells and uh, lights and all the things that we have talked about in weeks past that uh, kind of uh, dominate our thinking. Uh, we, we play these songs, we look at these lights, uh, we exchange gifts, and all of these things are generally joy-inducing for us. But much like I said last week, these distractions all around us sometimes get our attention away from the reality that we're actually living in right now. Uh, they paint a picture for us that uh, is not entirely accurate, <laughs> And they create almost this false sense of joy security. It's kind of like a person that's feeling a little bit depressed or down the dump, so they go shopping. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, they go shopping, and that's what makes them feel better. We call that retail therapy. The The problem with retail therapy is that it often leads to marriage therapy or financial therapy therapy. Uh, Perhaps it's a person who's had a tough day and they go home and they drown themselves in a bottle of their favorite drink. And for the time being, the shopping, the alcohol, the, they may bring some joy, they may dull our senses a little bit, but in reality they're just distractions. They're just a distraction from what is really at the root of all of it and is not actually being dealt with. Here, here's what we do know. During these holidays, we we see more and more people fight the the demon of depression, the the demon of insecurity, the demon of comparison. And I call them demons because uh, each of these things at the root are really, truly spiritual issues. You see, God is not a giver of depression. God is not a giver of insecurity. God doesn't call us into comparing ourselves with anyone other than him. For some, we walk into an environment such as this, we hear joyful songs, we see the pink candle of joy lit up before our eyes, and, and, and we, we're rolling our eyes. We're scoffing a little bit at the mere idea of it all because joy, it seems, is, is, is almost unattainable, unattainable, or at least it's far off because of all the other things that are weighing us down. And all of that, if, I, if I'm being real with you for a moment, <laughs> it's totally legit. Those things are real. Those burdens, those cares, those pains, those hurts, they're real. And there is in many circles today a general feeling of hopelessness, of despair. If it's not one thing, it's another. I don't have to go on the list of all the possible things to despair about because we all know about them. <laughs> we talk about them all the time. I don't want to pretend that they're not real because they are, but I also don't want to dwell on them today because instead of on instead of dwelling on what takes our joy, today I want us to focus on what gives us joy. How we can foster that joy and what we should do with that joy. If you have your Bibles here at home, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Before we read the text, I want to give you a little bit of context so we can understand what is happening here. In this picture, the people of God are surveying the ruins of the holy city of Jerusalem. They have been in exile, they have been in captivity, and now they are returning home to the once great city of Jerusalem, and all they see are ruins. Nothing is like it used to be. All that they used to have is now lost. It's gone. It seems hopeless. Their peace has been ripped away from them. And the question that is at the forefront of each of their minds is this. Will it ever be the same again? I just wonder, can you relate? Do you find yourself in a season of life where you're asking, will it ever be the same again? Will that which has been lost ever be restored? Will there ever come a day when I don't have to wear one of these? And it is into this atmosphere that the prophet Isaiah begins to speak the words of the Lord, words of hope, of peace, of joy... And it is good news for all who will hear it. The simple idea that pain and the sorrow they feel can be replaced, will be replaced with joy. So let's look together there at Isaiah 61, beginning with verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to move to verse 8. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted. For many generations. And now moving to verse 8 For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me. With the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we receive your word today. We believe that it contains power to transform lives and to speak into each one of our spirits. So God, I pray that it would do just that today. Father, we set aside the barriers that we have brought in with us today to hear what you would have to teach us. Speak through me now, Father, as we study your word together and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. For the children of Israel, there were, there were four primary economic codes or practices, if you will. And understanding these codes is very important for us as we look at this passage and understand what Isaiah is saying here. And I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Here's the first one. The first one was tithing. Tithing, the first principle, it was the giving of 10% that was made or raised or grown. They gave that to the storehouse for the care of the priests and the poor. The second one was the Sabbath. Every seventh day was a day of rest and worship. And every seventh year was a year of rest for the land and the animals. The third one was gleaning those who who raised a harvest were instructed to leave the edges of their fields unharvested so that the poor could come the refugee the traveler could come and they could harvest from what was left over on the edges and the fourth was this the year of jubilee after seven cycles of sabbath years or 49 years there was to be a year of jubilee and in that particular year, it was, it was like a big giant reset button got hit on all of society. Their entire economic system was to be reset. Debts were to be forgiven. Land was to be returned. And prisoners were to be set free. Now, Scripture demonstrates the first three of those economic codes for us multiple times, and we see that the children of Israel were generally obedient to much of those things, but it's this fourth one, the year of Jubilee, that we can't seem to find an account of in Scripture. That's not recorded. There's no proof that it actually happened, but let's just imagine for a moment how incredibly epic that could be. If everything that Isaiah says here, if everything the Scripture teaches us regarding the year of Jubilee were true, just imagine for a moment a giant reset button being hit on our society. I would go for a reset button right now. All of your debts, gone. No debt. Every debt that you've been carrying for how many, gone. Uh, 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 All the land that you have had to sell has been taken from you is given back. All the prisoners are released, and I know what you're thinking, and we don't want everybody coming out of prison understand that in this time frame, the vast majority of those who are in prison were in there because of an economic reason. So as their debts were erased, they were released from prison, everything got a fresh start. The bottom line was that the year of Jubilee meant grace, it meant hope, and it meant joy for Everyone. And in verse 2, this is what the prophet is declaring when he says that he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That is the year of Jubilee, the time of the Lord's favor. Imagine, if you will, the, 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 the emotions that the children of Israel must have been having as they had returned to Jerusalem and all they saw were these ruins. All they saw was destruction. Perhaps they had feelings of hopelessness despair, sadness. But, but it is these things, Isaiah says, that God is going to use to transform into something else, namely joy. The hopelessness of what is no longer, what has been destroyed, what has been lost, God is going to turn these things into joy. Isaiah says, tell everyone who is mourning, God says, I'm going to give them a crown of beauty in place of the ashes a fresh start, a new beginning, an opportunity created by God for them to be who He created them to be in the first place. He says they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His glory. What has been will be And it remains in the rubble, in the destruction. It is the past. But God is looking toward the future, a new life. And in all this, God is saying to the children of Israel, don't miss this, I want you to be a part of it all. He says this in verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will revive them. You see, it is God ultimately who brings healing and who brings hope and who brings joy. But it is we, humankind, that is invited to be a part of it all. We are invited to be doing a part of what God is restoring. I've, I've been working in my house. I'm not really a handyman. I, I dream about being one. Uh, but I decided, we decided, and I put this off for a long time, but I decided we were gonna, I was going to bite the bullet and we were going to replace the floors in our dining room and in a, a, a music room that we have. And uh, so I began this work, we pulled up the carpets, we bought the floor, and, and, and I've been working on it. The other night, I was down on my, on my hands and my knees, and I was cutting the floor, and I was fitting them in their space, and measuring and cutting, and Ezekiel, my youngest, he came in and he sat down with me, and he said, can I help, Daddy? I said, Sure. And I began to walk him through the process of all that I was doing, how I would measure the boards. I was probably telling him more than he cared to hear, but it engaged him. And, and I told him how I was going to cut it and then how I was going to trim out around the door frame and I, and how each plank had to be firmly seated and connected. And and, and and now and then he would attempt to do something. And sometimes I would let him, but more than anything, Zeke just wanted to be a part of what Daddy was doing. You see... <clears throat> God creates the same opportunity for each one of us. He's just waiting for us to come into His presence, to sit down at His feet and to say, can I help, Daddy? He knows that you alone cannot bring healing to anyone. You alone cannot bring hope to anyone you alone cannot re- restore the brokenness that exists in the heart of someone else. However, when we make the decision to humble ourselves before Abba Father and say, Can I help? He says, Sure. And He begins to show us and He walks us through how it's done. And when the time is right, He allows us to take part and what joy it brings. What joy it brings to the heart of my little boy Zeke when I ask him to hand me this or to hand me this and he gets it right. And I say, Great job, Zeke. And his face just lights up and he hollers to mommy, I help daddy, mommy. I help daddy. And what joy it brings to my heart to see him respond to the opportunity to be a part of what I am doing. Do we somehow miss the truth that God is looking at us the same way I look at Zeke? And that his heart is filled with joy when his children are eager and excited to be a part of the work that he's doing. We are called to participate in the joy-filled renewal that God is enacting in this world. Now you see the children of Israel, they were called to be a part of it. Verse 3 says that in their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His glory. In other words, it is our holiness and our righteousness that becomes a tool in the hands of God to bring change into our world. We get the opportunity to be actively involved in God's work of restoration for all Of humankind now joy is not ultimately about our circumstances but about the hope of what god is going to do it's the fruit of a of a loving heavenly father and his children working together in this world we are called to work together with god to bring good news for the poor poor and joy and instead of mourning it's simple things like the blanket drive that we've been doing for several weeks now uh, each one of those blankets is going to go into a packet of goods that's then going to be made available to a drop-in center where families who are escaping abuse can come and pick up a packet of everything they need to start over. Running away from an, from an abusive situation, running away from a home where, where you've just got to get out of the situation for whatever reason, you often leave with nothing. And something like a brand new blanket to warm up with at night. That brings joy. It's things like Thanksgiving meals, dozens and dozens of Thanksgiving meals that, that, that are brought to families who sometimes struggle just to put food on the table for a regular meal, let alone a celebratory one. When we do things like this, we, we come alongside those who also mourn, those who, who look at their circumstances and they wonder how on earth could they ever experience joy. And we show them that they are not alone in this world. They are not alone in their grief. There is joy to be had. We are called to be joy bringers in this world. But to bring something, we have to have it. (laughs) We have to be joy fuller than those around us. Look back at verse 1 of Isaiah 61 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Hear me this morning, God has placed his spirit in you. He has anointed you. God has sent you, and he calls you to proclaim the good news. Now, we love Christmas movies in our house. And with uh, little kids, Christmas movies takes on an entirely different level of excitement. Uh, in In our house, we have two Grinch movies. One is The Good Grinch, one is The Bad Grinch. The Bad Grinch is the Jim Carrey version, and my little boys are scared of it. They wanted to watch it last night. They spent most of the time hiding behind their pillows like this, watching The Bad Grinch. The Good Grinch is a a newer version, I don't know. But one rendition of that movie has been showed a dozen or more times in the last month in our home. We've also watched Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3, uh, we 've also watched some really horrible uh, hallmark like love stories <laughs> Netflix has their own brand of horrible love stories for Christmas it 's the same plot every time and before the season 's over, I hope to see white Christmas and it 's a wonderful life some of my favorites and of course, who can forget the newer Christmas classic elf <laughs> I love I love this movie it 's Very funny. Uh, It's one of those movies you can watch over and over again, I think. And There's this great scene where Buddy the Elf has gone to find himself a job at the local department store. And if you know what I'm talking about, he walks in, he greets the manager, and he's super excited. And of course, Buddy is just dressed in what Buddy wears which is an elf costume. And everybody else is wearing elf costumes because that's their business attire. That's what they wear that day. And the manager says, listen, we have to get ready because Santa is coming tomorrow. Now Buddy loses it right there on the spot. Santa! Ah! He's so excited Santa's coming. He can hardly contain his excitement that Santa's coming. And as he looks around, he's like, this place looks horrible. It doesn't look anything like the North Pole, Buddy says. And all the workers are just mopey. And one particular worker, a young lady that that Buddy kind of has a little bit of an interest in, she's also dressed as an elf, and he begins to talk to her about singing. And he's trying to convince her that singing is a great way to bring joy into the world. And she is just not buying it. You sing alone, you can sing in front of other people, there's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th- no, there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? Attention all shoppers. Please make your final purchase. I'm in the store and I'm singing. This morning I want to challenge you. We have less than two weeks until we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We we are living in a world right now that where it's not just the masks that we have always put on our faces to hide our struggles and our emotions. Now we literally put masks on our faces. And it's even harder now to really see what's happening behind the mask. That's one of the toughest parts of preaching, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I don't know if you're smiling. I don't know if you're sticking your tongue out at me. You know, you may have a bag of chips. I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) I want to challenge you to be a joy bringer. I want to challenge you to be joy fuller. My staff kind of scoffed at me when I used that word. Joy fuller. You see, God is coming along us, alongside us, and he says, look at the rubble. Look at the destruction. Look at the ashes. He says this. God says, I can change this. I, I, can, I can transform this. Do you want to help me? do you want to join me? Isaiah said it like this. There is work to be done. God is calling us to be a rebuilding people, and when we do the work of rebuilding, of declaring the Lord's favor, the world is watching, and they see that it is the work of the Lord in each one of us. They see that we are a blessed people, that we get to partner with God. And in a world that that seems hopeless at times, the people of God remain hopeful. In a world that's filled with despair, the people of God can speak joy into that despair. So how do we do this? How do we partner with God in the rubble to begin the rebuilding? Well, in our planning time this week, the staff, we all put our heads together, and we've come up with a list of joyfuller ideas. All right? So we're going to go through these right now. And maybe one's going to jump out to you. You can jot it down on your notes there. You can put it in your, in your, uh, in your phone. We're going to post these on social media. You're going to get an email tomorrow. Because these are great ideas. But I want, you, I want you to take this very seriously right now. Okay? Some of these are going to be crazy. But I just want you to go with it. All right? Okay. Let's look at some of these joyful ideas. Leave homemade cookies on the porch for your neighbor. That's not that crazy. You know, that, there used to be a day... This happened a lot. Leave a treat and a note of thanks for your mail carrier. I remember as a kid, every Christmas, my mom made pumpkin bread for the mailman and for the trash man. How about drop off homemade muffins or cookies at the police department or fire department? All of these things can still be done even in this COVID environment. How about this? Take a meal to an elderly neighbor or friend. How about to help somebody before they ask do a chore that your spouse would do again before they ask it doesn't work guys if your wife asks you and you go oh yeah i am so joyful right now <laughs> leave an encouraging note on the bathroom mirror by the way an encouraging note is not put the seat down um, <laughs> Something to encourage your children or your spouse, maybe yourself right now. Here's some other ideas. Now, these things will cost some money. Everything that I just talked about was basically somewhat free, involved baking. If you're not baking, uh, you need to watch the Christmas special. You're going to find out how good I bake. How about sending a thinking of you card? Why? Just because. This past week, um, I got two thinking of you cards from different people in the church actually the week before, and I finally got to them the first part of this week. And uh, one of them, in particular, the day I read it, was exactly what I needed to be hearing that day. You never know. You never know how God can use your five minutes of card writing to bless somebody else. Buy a coffee for an essential worker. In case you're wondering, pastors are essential workers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't buy me any coffee. Thank you. Pay for the person in the drive through behind you. Anybody ever had that happen to them? I've had that happen to me a few times. It's like, whoa. I always feel bad if I got more than one something. Like, did you know I have a family of seven and we just ordered $50 worth of food? Drop money in the Salvation Army kettle. Such an important need. Even if you can't do it in person, there's ways to give online. Send a note to someone to let them know that you appreciate them. Take a look around at some of the people that have been uh, working here week in and week out. Our volunteers, maybe a children's worker, and nursery worker downstairs today. Maybe it's your neighbor. My neighbor plows my drive. Every time it snows, my neighbor plows my drive. That'd be a good place for me to send a note. Leave a big tip for your server at a restaurant, regardless of how bad the service is. For, as Christians, a tip should be a, a demonstration of our love, not a demonstration of our approval. Mm. And stop trying to figure it out to the, the penny. I mean, listen, if your bill is 18 bucks, round it up to 20 make it $4 tip. It's easy. You really bless someone. How about this one? Send a note or an email to thank someone that has helped you. These are simple things, yes? I hope you have something. How about this? A few more. Write encouraging notes on five of your Facebook friends' pages instead of sharing a news article. (laughs) Hold the door open for a stranger. This morning I went to Starbucks, I know, shocker, and um, I was walking out, and I had a drink from me and a drink from my wife, and there was a lady coming. She was probably 20 feet away from me, and I could have very easily walked out that door and I saw her coming, and I remembered what I had written in here, and I thought, oh, got to do it, you know. Got to hold the door. <laughs> I did. I stopped. I stood there. I held the door for her. And it was like, <clears throat> it was like slow motion, you know. Like I'm holding the door, and she's like. <laughs> and she finally got there, and she goes, thank you so much. Simple. Text or call someone and let them know that you're thinking of them. This is so important right now. The the reality of isolation is very real, guys. It's very real. Some of you are probably dealing with it yourselves. And you're saying, man, I'm just waiting for somebody to call me. I get it. But in the meantime, you call somebody, begin the conversation. Let someone cut in line at the store. Now, Chris, <laughs> Chris gave these to me. I changed the verbiage a little bit, and I realized when I said, let come, someone cut in line at the store, that like, indicates that they're you know, doing it on purpose. It's really about letting someone just get in front of you. Just let someone get in front of you. Even better, let someone with a full grocery cart get in front of you. I can't do that. I only got one thing. Go caroling at the home of an elderly friend, a shut-in, or neighbor. There's a small group from our church that has been out caroling the past couple of weeks. It's a great way to just love on people. And I have one more request of you as well. I, I, I'm going to ask you guys to help us do something for next weekend. Um, if you're part of my generation, Christmas cards are kind of like a, they're almost foreign to us. Um, and, and, and in the season that we're in, in a church, there are not as many Christmas cards circulating and I know that some of you watch online. Who watch online have been saying, "Hey, can we somehow see who all is there?" And I would tell you, you can see them, but only from here up. And um, so, this is what I want to do. I want us to make a Merry Christmas video. And and it's very simple. Okay, um, almost everybody here has one of these. If not, you're related to somebody that does. If you are a grandchild. Or a kid and you have a parent or a grandparent that this scares them and they don't know how to work it, you work it for them and all you got to do is this. Hey, Merry Christmas from Mark and Janice. We love you. That's it. You see how I did that? You Hold it out here. Make sure the camera's pointing this direction. Or have somebody else do it for you. They Merry Christmas from Chris and Katie. And then we're going to take all those together and we're going to make a big video and we're going to share it with you next Sunday. Why? Because we just want to see each other. We just want to experience that joy to see your smiles without your masks. So take those videos, send them to me, mark at npnaz.org. Again, we'll be advertising this stuff, but please, you can do it when you get in the car today. You can do it when you get home. Please don't forget. Please help. Please do it. All y'all at home, do the same thing. Take your phone, uh, video yourself, send it to me. We're going to make a video and we're going to celebrate that. Next Sunday in some ways, I guess this seems like a like more of a practical how-to message, but I think that 's what it, it needed to be today. You see in the midst of the despair and the pain of our world, God is still at work, even in the midst of our sin, God does not abandon us and This season is often about lights, it's about decorations, it's about cookies, and we try to cover up our reality with all of that. I'm covering up my reality with cookies, by the way. (laughs) They laughed, I like that. But God's not looking to cover up anything. He's looking to transform everything. God seeks to bring life up in the middle of the ashes. And in this season of Advent, we talk about and we place our trust in the truth that Christ came to bring the kingdom of God into our world. And we have hope that Christ is going to return to make all things right. The year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, it came with Jesus and it's coming in the fulfillment when He returns again. And we can have joy in that. That's a part of our advent. That's a part of our expectation. But for the here and now, we can look for the places that God is already at work. We can come alongside him. We can sit down and we can ask, "Can I help with that, Daddy?" "What can I what can I do?" Maybe God says, "Well, well could you just send a text?" To so and so, just let them know you love them. Wish them a merry Christmas. Could you maybe step outside of your own comfort zone and maybe maybe go sit in the coffee shop and just watch and wait and pay for that person's coffee and, and pay for that person's coffee. This work of joy in our world is not something that we watch and we wait for. It's something that we are to participate in. Isaiah's reminder from chapter 61 to the Israelites about Jubilee is a reminder to us as well. To join God in this mission. We have this incredible opportunity to be present with those who mourn. To bring light into the darkness. To do the work of justice in our world, to live in righteous ways. Why? So that other people might see and might know the joy of the Lord. I just think that's great news for today. There is unspeakable joy despite our circumstances. So as we leave this place today, Let's go into our world being joyfuller. It's not a word, by the way. Don't call me on that one. I know. It's not a word. I made it up. Let's go into the world being joyfuller, bringing joy into hopelessness and into despair, rebuilding that which has been broken, sharing the good news of great joy that is for all people today and tomorrow and in the days to come. We may be standing on the outskirts of what was and looking in and wondering, will it ever be the same? And that doesn't need to be our question. Our question needs to be, God, how can I engage in what You are doing right now? Would you stay with me this morning? This is Paul's admonition to the church in Thessalonica. And today I give it to you as a charge, as a reminder, as a benediction. Always be joyful. We can just stop right there. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For He who calls you is faithful. Heavenly Father, we receive your word today. We receive this charge from the Apostle Paul, and we take it on as our own today to always be joyful, to depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in that in that space, in that place, God, to, to stand on the edge of what appears to be destruction, what appears to be nothing but a pile of ashes at times, and to hear the voice of God speaking into us and speaking through of us great words of great joy. For, Father, in our advent, in our expectation, in our waiting, we can still, in the here and now, partner with you in what is happening in your creation, what is happening in your work. Even as we anticipate a fuller joy, a greater joy, in the here and the now, God, help us to be faithful and obedient, to be givers of joy to a world that needs it so badly. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Always be joyful, never stop praying, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It sets the bar high for our lives, the steps that we take in every single day, that we should be a people who are always joyful and never stop praying. We want to encourage you this week as you step out into the reality that is life and into the frustrations and struggles that is life. Be encouraged, be reminded what the Word of God teaches us and tells us today, to always be people of joy. I hope that you will take some of those ideas this week and maybe implement them into the relationships that you have, the path that you're gonna walk, open some doors, buy some coffees, write some notes, whatever it is you need to do, be joy in a world that needs to be rebuilt. Be joy in a world that needs to be restored. Be a part of God's plan of rebuilding and of restoration for our world today. Hey, listen, thanks for tuning in and listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to join us next week as we wrap up our Advent series with a message on love and then our Christmas Eve services the following week. And before you know it, it's going to be 2021. New year, new things. Stay connected through our website, npnaz.org. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at npnazchurch. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll see you next week.